Welcome back to the Fear and Beer Podcast, where we discuss all things Halloween Horror Nights, horror movies, and just a little bit of beer. I'm Nick. And I'm Seamus. Like scary movies. Uh Uh-huh. Here's Johnny. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. You miss me. Aren't you drinking? I never drink. Why? Before we get into tonight's episode, we want to remind all of those listening on Apple Podcasts to drop us a five-star review. It helps us grow as a podcast and build our audience. If you're listening on Spotify or any other platform, follow us, and don't forget to share with friends and family who might have a little bit of the strange in them as well. And while you're on those socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, be sure to find us, Fear and Beer Pod. Give us a like, share, and you can always message us. We love to interact with all you guys. Dog. Freaky Friday. We're talking about Freaky Friday, right? Freaky it's a Friday. 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 Lohan? Friday the thirteenth. No. Freaky Thursday the twelfth. Jamie Lee Curtis, sort of referenced in this movie as well, but she's in the one with Lindsay Lohan, right? Was that her? Yes. Sorry. It was two. It was of like them. A, there was, there was a couple of those. I paused it. Oh. I paused it. Like, paused it on the Universal screen. So if you didn't see our post on Instagram and you just follow us on our different podcast formats, this week we are going over Freaky 2020 comedy horror thriller. Put out by Universal, and the reason why we're talking about this movie for this month is because this was on the rumored map as a part of a Blumhouse compilation house. Uh, so potentially seeing some of these scenes in real life uh, in the coming months. So we figured, let's dive in, give this thing a watch, and see what we're working with. Uh, see if it would translate into a house well. Uh, what scenes would, what wouldn't. Um, and of course, first off, we have our beer, which I'm pretty proud of myself. I bought this beer. Uh, a couple weeks ago, just because it was horror-ish themed, but it does match up perfectly uh, to what we're talking about tonight. So, I guess I'll just start it off with my beer, and I'll let y'all introduce yours, but I have the Butcher Cummin. Pretty cool. little uh, triple, I think, oh, double New England IPA from Three Sons Brewing, uh, which is right in Florida. It's Danya Beach, Florida. It's a microbrew. I don't yeah, know. I, I, Dania, haven't, I think. Dania, I haven't heard from these guys or, or had anything had from them. Times. But um, yeah, I mean, this thing couldn't be more perfect. Uh, or not. It has a little meat cleaver with some blood on it. And I mean, the the Blissville, Bliss, Blissville is the name, I think. The Blissville Butcher. Uh, the Butcher coming. So it makes perfect sense. 8.2% alcohol. Uh, and it is a collaborated beer with Orchestrated say, Minds like Brewing. Beer. So, interested to see what this they is. They're also a Florida beer. What this is um, looking like. Well, what do you guys have around the table tonight? Well, I do believe they were the Blissville Beavers. The Beavers. Okay, we got two tie-ins. We got a little beaver beer. So, this is... We're two for two. Busy as daggy, whatever the heck that means. But it's tripping animals. I think we've had a few different We've done them here. before. We did that with the uh, Willie's Wonderland because all the different animals... We definitely the, we did we did some of their stuff. I don't yeah. know if we had that one specifically. I don't, I don't know, think we've had this no. one. Um, but we've had them. Always good stuff. This is a sour ale with black currant, blueberry, and mangoes. Could be a little too busy, but we will. A lot find of we'll find stuff. Out. That's a lot of stuff. A lot That's of stuff funky. Tends to be sours, sours or. So I figured that lines. was a good tie-in. That is a beers. yep. That we're we're two for two right now. I'm sure Seamus will find a way to tie it in. Oh, of course they will. Who so beaver nobody wants to touch? Uh, <laughs> I've got one called... Oh, am I getting ahead of myself? <laughs> Never. Second Coming. Uh, it's by Resident Culture. I, I've had this before, so I know I think we had it on one of our other killer reviews, to be honest with you. Okay. I remember the black can. But we all know that 
you know, serial killers don't just come once. No. They come twice or more. <laughs> so it's the second coming of the butcher. Yep. Um, it's an India Pale Ale. I know I've had this one before. So last I checked it, last I remember checking, I think it was like over four for me. So it's probably pretty good. I don't quite remember though. So I guess we'll find out. I think these guys are from North Carolina. So not quite Florida, but. In our hemisphere. Yeah, I was on the East Coast. All right, let's crack these open. One, two, three. Ooh, pretty close. Not bad. I'm never good at that. I'm either too early or too Ooh. too late. This is a very, mine's very hazy coming out. But that is to be expected with the double IPAs. These are the ones that I don't know if there's anything in there, but I like the. If we get some cream at the end of this thing, I'll pop that thing right up front. Front and center. You can definitely get the hops coming off of mine. I get too much head in mine. I always get too much head. This this poured pretty frosty. This is definitely the New England IPA. But thick. Which is funny. So like you you have definitely. a you have a Double Nipa. Mm -hmm. I have what's called just. Well, I have just a standard IPA, but then you you read the back and it's a hazy IPA hmm. that's hopped with Strata Sabro and HPC. So it's it's funny how like it's almost like IPAs become super. I don't want to say general in term, but like you know, you say IPA now, it's almost like you just assume that it's hazy, or they just assume that like we make a hazy IPA and we'll just slap IPA on the can. Yeah, and then you know someone like. Like my father, who is convinced he's going to find one that he likes, <laughs> but he never does, because it's a matter know, of time. Just, damn it! He's just not. A, he's just not into the hazy. He's not a haze bro, man. Yeah. But he likes standard IPAs, so he buys this as it says IPA on it. And then he pours it. and He goes, "That's not what I wanted." <laughs> it's just funny how that happens. Like it's, it's almost like NEPA is no longer like the term that we use to describe a hazy IPA. Yeah. Uh, NEPA is just one style of a hazy IPA, I guess, or just one other way to call it that, but interesting well let's dive into these cheers, cheers. to another freaky cheers killer review cheers to the killer reviews boys Ooh. oh yeah definitely can, a new england ipa I can remember that's why, for sure i can remember why i like this one really good mm -hmm. a lot this is if you want a new england ipa this is this is it's definitely what you're getting in the, out of this can all right so while we kick off let me start that movie up there Cool little title screen. Universal is in their little red font for this. Um, this is also a Blumhouse production. So just quickly, um, like I said, this is um, Freaky from 2020, directed by Christopher Landon, which he was a big writer. He started directing with like you know some Blumhouse projects under his belt, but he wrote the story slash screenplay for various things. But he did Paranormal Activity two, three, four. The marked ones, and then the newest one, the next of kin, which was a Paramount exclusive, I think it was. I don't know. Um, he also wrote Disturbia, Happy Death Day to You, and Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, which was definitely more of like an indie-er style film, but that one was, was really good. He did also direct a couple things. He directed Happy Death Day 1 and 2, the Scout's Guide, and the Paranormal Activity, the so marked ones. So he's definitely out of that Blumhouse camp. Yeah, so sure. he's 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 blended into those into those folks. And the son of the famous actor, Michael. Is, okay, I did not know that one. Neither did I. No. Michael London, huh? Like, um, look at that. He did actually propose a crossover movie uh, 
called um, Freaky Death Day, which would have been a crossover with Happy Death Day and Freaky. And, I mean, this this movie, much like Happy Death Day and stuff like that, they're just stupid but fun movies. Like, the Blumhouse does good with, like, these make-em-cheap, okay, just stupid funny movies. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I Blumhouse... heard it described as Blumhouse takes stories that aren't or shouldn't be horror movies and makes them into horror yeah, movies. Yeah, so, so, I mean, they're definitely, like, they're the new age teen thriller type movies. You know, that makes sense. Like, obviously, it's not designed for kids, but my point is, is, like, if you think about the 70s and 80s, a lot of those early slasher movies were like the, the, the teen horrors. The teens would go to the movie theater for a midnight showing. They'd see a horror movie like that. And this is kind of like this generation's version of that in a way. Like it takes a lot of what teenagers and young adults today yep. know and they turn them into horror movies, thriller movies, that sort of thing. And they and they definitely don't, like Nick was saying, they don't, they don't take themselves too seriously. A lot of the Blumhouse stuff doesn't. Obviously, you know, Blumhouse is a production company. It's not necessarily... The ones specifically making it, but they pick directors and they well, pick they writers that, gravitate and they gravitate towards the a project they want project. To do yeah, that keeps the brand in right. sync. Was, yeah. the, was the Purge Blumhouse or no? Yes, it was. Okay, That's what Purge, I but um, I think it was this movie. But, I mean, they but had, I do my research to find <laughs> right. that out for sure. Um, this was made on six million dollar budget, and not that it crushed the box office, but it made sixteen million. So not a great return. But when you look at the previous films, like Happy Death Day. They did that on a four point eight million dollar budget, and it made one hundred and twenty five million. Yes, it is. So they're pretty good gross. about taking just simple concepts, like you said, movies that shouldn't be. Very much as like Freaky is Freaky Friday. Happy Death Day is essentially Groundhog's Day, but horror. Which teams. I think right. the title of this was supposed to be originally. It was going to be Freaky Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, which is a, a fun little. I kind of rather it have been that because it's sure a they, fun little play I'm on I'm sure they probably multiple. tried and I yeah. think I read that it was filmed completely in like 35 days uh, and the, not surprising yeah I can imagine these movies I mean and they do it well like I said this obviously didn't make as much money but it came out April 2020 so that was like when we were coming out of coming well, out of the it was released pandemic. in April 2020 it was probably made prior to the pandemic yeah. but um, obviously the pandemic pushed back the release date just because of mm-hmm. the no one could go to theaters and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And the great thing about Blumhouse movies, a lot of at least a lot of the ones like this one, they rely a lot on unknown actors, first time mm-hmm. actors. And they might get one or two big mm-hmm. ones, like obviously this movie's got Vince Vaughn. I don't yeah. know if you consider him a A list male actor at this point, but the point is is that they will usually get one or two big names and then a bunch of people you've never heard of. Yep. And they do great with it, and that's where they can save some of that money. So the mm-hmm. low budget, they can save some of that budget to put it more towards the effects and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, like you said, this is starring Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton, who I think at the time was probably a little bit newer. New, um, but she also did just get cast in Ant-Man and Wasp, Quantumania. So she had some so movies, she's maybe not big named stuff. Yeah. Well, she was in one of the Paranormals, right? I think she was in one of the Paranormals. I think she was in the webcam one, Paranormal which was probably four. four. So I think she was the one where it was all webcam based and stuff like that. Yeah, that makes sense because now I remember seeing that, which ties in perfectly with the director, the writer. It all meshes together. Um, And she was the first choice for Millie, but she originally declined the offer. And then Jason Blum talked back to her. She was in Detective Pikachu, too. That makes sense. Oh, okay. Now now that I look at her. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, again, not to say that they're like unknown actors, but they do get a lot of actors that are... You know, you, they're newish. They're, yep. they're kind of breaking into the business, and that's, that's what's cheap. cool about that. Is well, that, that's part of it. Um, I think part of it's also Blumhouse, like you guys were saying, is I think they definitely reach for 
intentionally trying to not imitate, but like be, um, what would you call it there? Um, inspired by yeah. the progenitors of the, of the genre. Like horror yeah. was always that way where you get n- very new actors and actresses, Jamie Lee Curtis, you mm-hmm. know, makes her name on some of these types of campy teen slasher movies. Yeah. Terror Train. And Halloween. <laughs> I think a lot of actors and actresses kind of do that now. And I think Blumhouse does that on purpose. I think it's less of a necessity and more of a, it kind of reaches and harkens back to mm-hmm. what our to what we come came from. Yeah, and let's be honest, these aren't the movies that you need actors for. No, you, you know, don't. It's just... But there's not. But there's also not really a lot of bad acting. No, necessarily. At least no, not, they not do. Inten- they do. Not they unintentionally do bad acting. Mm-hmm. I guess is my point. They do good with it. Um, so obviously, the basis of this is um, after so- uh, swapping bodies with a deranged serial killer, a young girl in high school discovers she has less than twenty four hours before the change becomes permanent. The whole, the bulk of the movie takes place on Friday the 13th, and the film was actually released on Friday the 13th, November 2020. Um, so, summing up the scene behind us, this little slasher intro kind of thing is, um, it starts out, it's going through the whole cliche, campy slasher feel, and we should really expect some gnarly deaths, because it starts right out with the kid going down to the basement and getting the wine bottle shoved down his throat, so that you see it coming through his throat, and then smashes it more and having it shatter, coming out his skin and, like, bleeding everywhere. Um, and our killer can be seen wearing almost a hockey yeah, mask. Yeah, it looks kind of like a hockey so, mask. So, obviously a reference to our favorite camp counselor killer, uh, Jason. Yeah, it's definitely a wink and a nod. Um, there's a cut to what I call a no-name character because I already forgot because they're just in this first scene. Um, but she's getting her head smashed in with a toilet and then a brilliant quick cut to another girl horror cliche getting something else smashed in thought that was a fun little like combo of this 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 intro is like smashing the cliches like in your face and you know what you're gonna get with this um and i feel like yeah well sort of but i feel like this when it pertains to like a hhn house i feel like the beginning of this movie and the ending of this movie is kind of where are good for house yeah portions and that's kind of why I guess it'll work if they decide to do it as that, like, mashup-y, like, here's a scene, cool, here's a scene. Because if they can get some of these kills from this front, like, portion into the house, it would be, I think, very fun. Having a they, girl get her head smashed They came in. out of the gate. Yep. There was, I think, three or four good kills, mm-hmm. and I looked down and it was six minutes in, yep. including, like, the opening credits or whatever. yep. yep. But it's good. It's got the bottle kill, which I talked about. Um, the girl getting her head smashed in with a toilet seat. Um, one girl there's gets one... hung up on the wall on the spear. Yeah, spiked right through. Um, the tennis racket. Oh, the tennis he, racket. He snaps a tennis oh. racket over his knee. and Both then sides of the neck or right, the head. Right and, through the dome piece. So that piece. it does the old, like, the old arrow gag. Yep. It's yep. sticking on both sides of his it's head. Very, it's right. very cliche. And they and it's it's intentional. You know this is what they're going for. They're making a cheap slasher movie in the new age and trying to put a, a ridiculous spin on it. Um, so when the, like we were mentioning, the, that last kill where he kind of suspends the girl on, um, uh, it must be some oh, kind he, of wall decor. It was like a spear because he threw it. No, he, he threw it. First oh, he threw and it and missed, missed. And that's why it was in the wall. Propped her on there. And then he propped her on there as um, the parents come home. As the parents were coming home, did that reference or trigger anything to you about another movie that we previously did? I think I think that one might have just been me and Seamus. But very similar to Scream. 
There's a lot of homages in this whole in this whole opening scene. I mean, the, the, the on the wall thing. I mean, that's in a bunch of movies. It's also in uh, oh, the oh, Santa Claus one. Whatever. Oh, Krampus. No, the or, other one. But, oh, um, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Where yep. he puts her on the but wall. But he said that I saw an interview with Landon, Christopher Landon, and he said that it was absolutely right, like a throwback to all of like the classic slashers, mm-hmm. like, and that's you know, kind of where that was Like he definitely, and that, it, that's so common. But it's kind of good the way. It kind of keeps the gene pool. Everybody's connected in these yep. movies. Um, before the killer leaves the house, he sees this weird dagger knife thing. Yeah, which is just happening to chill out. Which is just never explained as to why it's there, but that's okay. It's a horror movie. It's a plum house. It doesn't need to be explained. But you can tell it's freaky. Um, it has like a little skull and a gem or whatever. And you see the parents coming in. They come in. They give a ridiculous scream. Um, and then you see that the case has been broken. The dagger is now gone. And we get our title screen, Freaky, in a sort of insidious look, because it has that black black screen, well, the, the red font, font, but it's like more it's cheeky. It's like a goofier font. Is it Friday the Thirteenth font too, though? The font no. similar. It's like yeah. the blood dropping, yeah. but it like it reminds me of like that insidious title card where it comes up and it's like, it's like the strings. But this one has more of like a a, a goofy style. Do that strings? <laughs> just like that. If you need any sound uh, effects, just just give me a call. <laughs> um, so after that title screen, we are introduced to our main character, Millie, played by Catherine Newton, a clear high school outcast. Is this where we are? Yeah, we're kind of there. You can see she's dressing kind of shitty, and um, they're they're discussing with the family about. I think going to a dance or, or homecoming. Homecoming is coming up and stuff like that. I thought I would have uh, been playing catch up a little bit longer, but I guess not. Um, but we are introduced to our family, the mother, a clear, clear drunk. Maybe not at this point, but that's kind of the, the implied by the, through yeah, the it's by the, things by the implied. the older daughters. Yep, looking at the wine bottle in the trash and. Mm-hmm. Giving her the, the the side eye. Yeah, the Again, older daughter is the local cop. Kind of, kind of another, honestly, kind of another scream. Another scream reference, I guess, to a point. Kind of like the father. One of the main, one of the, main, one of the characters is, you know, his her older siblings, a, mm-hmm. a local sheriff. Blissfield. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to think of so like Blissfield. What I I couldn't remember exactly, but like Blissfield, it is the town. Yeah. I feel like there's another movie that has like a name like that that's like ironic and it might just be because i've been watching sons of anarchy and but, it sounds charming yeah this but is i a, feel like there was a horror movie that was like i'm sure there have been a few that was some kind of like cliche like title of the town yeah, where it's I'm like sure there's, been, there's been a few that are kind of like that i can't think of anything right now that's a good but, that's a good trivia category what town what what horror flick is this town, this town yep but springfield from yep from nightmare. nightmare so i mean it's kind of like that same idea where it's Midtown USA in the middle of flyover country. Yeah. And it's just called a ridiculous name. Um, so we are now introduced uh, in this scene. She's picked up by her friends, uh, Josh Detmer, played by Misha Oshervich. Sorry, you're not going to hear this, but I butchered your name. Um, and Nyla, played by Celeste O'Connor. Um, and it was funny, too, because we do know M- Millie's. Um, last name, they say it, I think, a couple times, but when I was looking at the IMDb casting, Millie just didn't even have a last name, but these two side characters did. thought it was a little interesting. She didn't get the full name treatment on there, but I'm sure it's just a quick edit. Um, but Josh comes out with what is my favorite line in this movie, and possibly any movie, where he yells over to the guy on the street, 
I love your black wiener, Mr. Daniels. I'm a huge Dachshund fan. The man had a Dachshund. The man was black. <laughs> and they're like, you can't say that. He's like, no, the dog. Like, The dog is black. The dog is black, Riley or uh, whatever her name is. Uh, Nyla. But as a huge Dachshund, Dachshund fan, Dachshund owner, that's just like the classic Dachshund joke that probably gets old to some people. But for me, it's just never going to get old. But it... <laughs> It orchestrated pretty quickly, and it, it did establish that um, Josh was kind of be that pseudo comic relief slash like dry humor, dry humor, very suspect jokes that probably weren't sarcastic. Yeah, if if and and the char- and the characters they set up this as stereotypical as possible, where they have the gay character and they have the black character, and the only reason they did that was so they could point it out with a line. Which I think was in the trailers, which was like, ah, did you need to do that, Blumhouse? Like, I get it, like, you're leaning into the tropes, but it seemed to be, like, a little too on the nose. Like, it was just, I felt it was a little unneeded, but they did it, I feel like, strictly so they could have the line that comes later in the movie that was, I, I think he goes, like, I'm black, or you're black, I'm gay, we're gonna die, or something like that. Whereas, like, <laughs> that was a trailer was moment. The, I think it was the long setup. Yeah, they, I mean, that was, I mean... But maybe if, if you want to look at it another way, the the trope is really that it's always the black guy that gets killed first. Yeah. That's that that trope, and then you know, I mean, gay leads are not as you know we're not as prominent in a lot of horror movies. Mm-hmm. Obviously, <laughs> you know, twenty twenty Just years thirty years ago, good that they gave it the representation, but I mean, it was it, like I to get away with jokes it, like it was this. Nightmare Two or Three, I forget his name, but there's one prominently gay actor in that movie, which his character wasn't. But he was. Mm-hmm. So and that's also kind of maybe where he's hearkening back a little bit to. Yep. Um, but I, I see, I, I'm one of those, again, hoity toity film people that I think it's clever what they're doing, mm-hmm. more so than just being a straight up rip off of what we've seen before over yeah. and over again. Mm-hmm. Plus, I mean, the idea that who you think the killer is and how it turns that on the head. Yeah. Like they set it up to be one thing. And then they completely spin that around on you throughout the movie. Where, like, the killer is very much known, but, like, because they did the whole switch, you gotta do the whole rigmarole of, like, pointing right. out that it's not, and... And how there's not, like, one... Like, who you think is gonna be, like, the the cliché jock isn't yeah. really a cliché jock in any way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's actually the good guy. And we've got <laughs> Mr. Bernardi shows up here from yeah. Ferris Bueller's Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Mr. Bernardi. And, I, I, and the overtly dickhead teacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yep. Um, and I was going to say, if he looks familiar, it's because he was in that 80s movie yep. with high school. Alan Ruck, I think his name is. Alan Ruck, yep. 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 He was Cameron in Ferris yep. Bueller's Day Off. Yep. Um, but yeah, the dickhead um, woodshop teacher, which I think I had a Mr. Bernard or... I don't remember. So, I don't know. But funny that the name was still Just there. asshole wood teacher. That's yeah. all you got to know. Um, but then a text alert is sent out to everybody... And I forget the exact context, but it, it referenced brutal murders in the killers at large. And it was sent out almost like an Amber Alert. And that's, that's I mean, I don't, I've never been in the area where a serial killer, a serial killer was at large. So as I can't say they, they know, won't they, send that out. But I kind of hope they do. But I mean, who knows? Cool, I, I mean, it's pretty, um, pretty open-ended. I don't, you know, I'm sure people would kind of go into chaos if that one sent out. But just send it out to a bunch of high schoolers and they just keep going on with their day like nothing happened. Um, but then it does cut to a new scene with uh, Josh and our, our leads there kind of hiding out at the theater, it looks like, their auditorium. 
Um, and he comes in <laughs> clearly again, being our comic relief of sorts. The kind of like tells it like it is. Oh, it's a slaughterhouse out there. It's like poor choice of words there, but he just does not care. Um, he pulls up a video of another student sobbing over the the dead student, and then he just watches it. And he's just like, they weren't even friends. It's like. I like him. He's keeping it real. He's just calling it like it is. Because you know in situations like that, is that right above me? Um, you know in situations like that, you see all the people on Instagram, Facebook, like searching for that clout. Like, oh my God, we'll miss you so much. Our, you know, we love you. It's like, you guys weren't even friends at all. Like, you didn't even know this but person. But you know what's funny is like, if you, I mean, that's high school. Yeah. So it's like, oh, that's exactly. almost yeah, yeah. like... I. I I can see this happening where they're not taking it serious. They think it's all yeah. It's just this is, this is they're not even friends. Like it, it, that's how fucking awful kids are to each oh, other. Oh, they so are. Like, and if you're outside of that circle, like these right. kids are, like they're not friends with those people. So like they don't care at all. Right. Which is which is why his character is so funny because yep. he's just home, so, like, home homecoming game and all kicks off. Yep. Just, uh, just as planned. Just a serial killer. As planned. Um, oh look, it's the one beaver nobody wants to touch. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You notice like the back of the kids' jerseys. One says like "bro," but it's like B R E A U X. So the like, oh, okay. Strode, bro. Like, there's a bunch. So of, one like, says Strode. Right. Yeah. So Strode. One says "bro," just but it's spelled French. <laughs> so it's it's like totally playing on that whole like bunch of stupid jock character yeah. type things. But there, but the the one that says Strode is like an, another nod. Right. So Lori Strode, which yeah. is kind of cool that they, I. I I don't care how old these things get. I do character. enjoy these little nods. One of our main character friends is instead of a cheerleader, she's the fucking mascot, mascot. the beaver itself. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so that and she has to, you know, wear, wear the costume home. Yeah, yeah, like she has to keep that. Yeah, the they throw the orange soda at her. <laughs> Just like poor girl gets beat up, but she's um. The homecoming game is over. She's kind of waiting for her mom to pick her up after the game. Um, but clearly she's running late, and it kind of cuts to a scene of her mom passed mom, out drunk. Mom's the wino. Mom's a booze hound. Um, and that's when her sister comes home. Uh, Clara? Cl- I, don't I have her name somewhere, but I, I'm going through all my notes. Um, but she's like, oh, shit. And she starts to call Millie. And, of course, coincidentally enough, Millie's phone just starts to slowly die, and the battery's dead. Um, and as the battery dies, the lights start to flicker. They go down, and then across the way of the parking lot, you see Vince Vaughn as the Blissfield Butcher, which is something that they referenced earlier, being a urban legend of sorts. Oh, right. The kids were talking about how it was a legend about it happens around homecoming. Yeah. And one of them says, oh, that urban legend just grows every year and every yep. year. So it's kind of playing on the whole Jason thing, too. Like, Jason was very urban legendy. I mean, like... Yeah. Freddie and Michael didn't really get into the urban legend realm. Like, they weren't talked about Freddy, as an urban legend. Freddie but... was, but Michael obviously wasn't because he was just a dude who escaped from a mental institution. Mm-hmm. Jason was definitely a more of the folklore type mm-hmm. character who came around on Friday the 13th to yeah. slaughter baby, like, uh, not babysitters, that's Michael, to Counselors. slaughter camp counselors. Yep. Um, so we're coming up on the scene. The lights just killed off, but there is a little chase scene between the two. Um... Where the butcher catches her and and stabs her with that dagger that we saw from the first uh, little scene of all those kills and, and stuff like that. There lies the magic. And that's the magic, and that's the magic about horror movies and slashers like this, where you can just suspend your disbelief. Um, but while doing so, I guess 
we later find out that she also hurt him. So I don't know. I think when uh, later in the movie, when they're they're reading the inscription on the on the knife, I think she says something about if it's a like you're supposed to create the sacrifice, but if mm-hmm. it's unsuccessful, yeah, which was unsuccessful because she fought him back, I guess and she lived. Yeah, it was that, just that's shoulder. why they ended up in this state. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get this little chase scene where it ends with her getting stabbed at center field. Um, the sister comes in time and starts shooting in the air. The butcher runs off, but something happened because there was, you know, the storms are brewing. The lights changed. I think it went purple. You started to see different flashes. Which is um, weird because it's like you're scaring off a dog, right? If yeah. A, if a mad killer is sh- stabbing somebody, you shoot them. Yeah. Not like, like, you're trying to, like you're trying to scare off a dog. I'll yeah, shoot in the air. Like, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're also a cop. Like, you should be able to, like, have good enough aim where... I mean, it's not even just a person. That's also your sister being murdered. And, yeah, you would think that they would be able to just anticipate that a little bit better and and get the butcher off. But we're going to skip ahead just a second to get to the end of this little fight. There we go. We'll jump ahead a little bit because there's a little... That that scene does drag a little bit. Um, So we are now... All we skipped past really was that little montage style scene of them at the police station after the fact. You know, slow motion, the mother coming down as she's probably woken up six hours later. Um, and we get all these crazy flashes now. Um, and, well, and make sure you note that the, the knife goes into evidence at the police station so that everybody yep. knows where the, this, this so magical knife the is. The magic dagger is in the, the police station. Um, and we cue right to the clock at midnight. It goes black and it opens up to Millie waking up in her bed. And I'm still going to refer going forward to Millie as Millie and the Butcher as Butcher. Obviously, at this point, we know something's up. Spoiler alert. Uh, They swapped bodies. So now the serial killer Butcher is in Millie's body. And Millie, the teenage girl, is in Vince Vaughn's human giant body, serial killer style. So I still refer to Millie as Millie, Butcher as Butcher. When I say Millie, I mean the blonde-haired girl. When I say Butcher, I mean Vince Vaughn. Should be basic enough, right? How could we possibly get confused in this movie? Um, but Millie wakes up, clearly showing us that it's, something's wrong. She doesn't know where she is. She's very confused. The mother comes in, offers pancakes, and just the sense you can get is that something something is afoot. It hasn't. It didn't overtly come out and say, "Hey, they swapped bodies." But as the audience, we we know that pretty well established yeah this is what's going to happen in the movie yeah and then the way we really get it is once it shows us vince vaughn uh because millie doesn't really talk i guess the serial killer the the blissful butcher is a quiet type um but once we get to vince vaughn's character the butcher waking up in his like little homeless crack den mannequin loft area that's when we can really tell because that's this is when we get, like, Vince Vaughn at his finest. Right. I mean, these. this was a great role. It reminded me a lot of his, like, Fred Claus. It very childish, me. almost. I mean, he's it playing a child. wouldn't surprise me if it was kind of, like, written for him. Yeah. I mean, it, it's perfect. It, it fits him very well. Um, but in that scene, we're introduced to the homeless guy, and Vince wakes up and is like, oh, my God, what is wrong? Do you, he sees this, like, crackhead who's asking him for... Or candy or pills or drugs or whatever and then he's like do you see a little like five foot blonde girl and he's like 
oh, now I know you got the good stuff. Like, give me the drugs. I know you have drugs. It's like, no, I don't have drugs. Um, I want to think I'm a young blonde girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he offers to, to perform sexual intercourse on him for drugs as he's running away. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's his little mannequin, uh, mannequin oh, area. And this yeah. is Friday the 13th. So they woke up on Friday the 13th with the swapped bodies. Um, and obviously this is where our story... It, it is a horror movie, and it does have a lot of those slasher tropes. But from that first scene to the end scene, there's a lot of instances where it's not that. It's more of like that comedy, who you know, like switching bodies kind of thing. It's not your typical suspenseful horror anymore. It's almost like a thrillery-ish, like tracking which, down the people thing. Which plays to the part where they take stories that really aren't horror films and mm-hmm. make them horror films. But with this one, it was really <clears throat> that was really evident because I thought about the middle got very much into the I would call it a lull, but it was like you mm-hmm. said, it got away from the the horror horror tropes or the horror theme. And if you took that those initial kills, or if you took any of the kills in this movie and just changed them to run of the mill stuff that you can put in any movie, you know, they just got shot mm-hmm. instead of being murdered in these crazy ways. You know, instead of having a tennis racket wedged in both sides, it's like the guy was just shooting people, right? Yeah. And that was the murder scenes. This would just be... You could still make this entire movie and you'd only have to take out the instance of the kills and this would just be a suspenseful thriller movie. Yeah. So they took a movie that's just a thriller and, and swap out any of this, the, the, the kills to these crazy horror kills yeah. and made it a horror film. And there's a lot of fun like little kills and it looks like we're getting close to one because I did skip it ahead a little bit because they're... Like we said, we are in that lull of the movie where it is like the characters figuring out what's going on, slowly getting through the the working it, of it. It definitely had a middle stretch where it kind of dragged. Yeah, and after we leave Vince Vaughn's character, we go back to Bill, uh, Millie's, who is at home eating pancakes like a maniac, which is like the sign of like, oh, that's the butcher. We get it now. But it's her body, so the body wouldn't be starving. Just because it's his mind. Yeah. I mean, Adam's like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I didn't break it down to that level, but we could have. Um, and then, obviously, the mother, for a reason, is just, like, playing around with a butcher's knife or a kitchen knife. And the the butcher is looking at that thing like, man, I can't wait to grab that and start stabbing. And then the mailman greets us, knocks on the door, and comes right on and just says... Oh, I was gonna just stick this in your box, but I figured I'd check out on how you were. So I was like, and was another that, horror was trope the or what? <clears throat> that when the um, what was his name? What's the what's the friend's name? Um, Josh. 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 When he was showing him like the, the, the I think it must have been the men's dating app. Oh And he yep. shows the girls, look, it's our mailman. Mm. And they were like, is that the mailman? And then later that scene where the mailman comes to the door, and I'm like, oh, what's gonna happen here? Yeah. <laughs> because they made a point to show us the mailman's on this yep. dating app. And then it didn't really, they didn't, they didn't exploit that much. Yeah, but, but I hope it was to poke fun at slashers of the past and not like just a bad line. But I'm sure with a lot of the other things they have in here, I can't imagine that it was that just a bad line. In. It was like, it, it, ties was, in, it ties in somewhere. Yeah, it was put there for a reason. Um, we did cut back to Vince Vaughn, who was now strolling around the town, um, kind of not fully understanding everything. Mil- you know, he's, he's walking around. But his face is on posters. His face is on the news channel. We saw that at Millie's house. So people start seeing him and they're like, oh my God, oh my God. Well, he runs up to the guy with the dog. And he hey, runs up Mr. with the guy. Hey, Mr. So-and-so. He's yeah. like, aha. 
And then one lady falls down. Is like, oh my god, it's, it's the butcher, it's him. And, and then he, then it he dawns on away. him that, oh, it's me, but I look like the guy they're all looking yep. for. So like, it is Millie in the butcher's body. So obviously, butcher needs to run away, hide, and figure out what's going on. Uh, but Millie is now getting ready for school, and she rolls up like nothing happened the night before. Just got stabbed in the shoulder by a serial killer, and back to school the next day. Um, she picked out like a eighties. Well, Thrillerish she red went, jacket. She went to the her must have went to her sister's closet because mm-hmm. she was going through her closet and it was all like these you know really frumpy things. Yeah, and then she goes because and they they made a point that it was the sister's closet because the police uniforms were in there. Yeah, yeah. Which that old trope where they they do this in a lot of teen movies where the they they're gonna do the transformation where the girl's like oh the ugly duckling and becomes this. And they're like, okay, we're supposed to pretend that she's like, this ugly duckling in the beginning. They're making fun of her at the locker. <laughs> yeah. The girls are making fun of her. It's like, okay, let's just, we, have yeah. to, we have to really suspend you know, reality here to pretend just because she doesn't have the lipstick on yet. Yeah. She's ugly. And everybody she has pokes, like a weird And everybody shirt. pokes fun at her and the boys don't like her. Yeah. And then she puts on a red leather jacket and some lipstick and the whole place drops. Like, Everybody's <laughs> mouth drops. And like, I love, oh, my God. I do like, love the scene. The slow-mo, yeah. the confetti <laughs> dropping. All she did was put on a jacket some lipstick and put her hair in a ponytail and all the guys that thought she was this gross thing now are all just standing around and oh, jaw drops and, and the like, funniest thing okay. too is that was the male serial killer dressing himself mm. he knew how to do the yeah, makeup he knew how to do the well, lipstick that's why I he thought, put the hair up I wanted the lipstick to be a little wonky a little, smudgy, a little, yeah. like, a little crooked and stuff kind of like a, you know, a little... I was waiting for that I was waiting for the reveal where it was going to be like all the shots from the back the side, and then it goes to the front. And it's like <laughs> record scratch, and it's like it's, it's like, like the it's like Mimi from Drew Carey show. That's what I was gonna say. Yes, <laughs> 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 like, uh, but that was not what we got. I think that would have derailed the the movie a little bit. But that's the exact thought that I had in my mind. Um, but yeah, and then that's when we get the comment from Josh, like, "Oh my God, is she cute?" Like. <laughs> that's all it took was a serial killer to take over your body a red, I think, again, a red 80s jacket and some hair one of those things where they're trying to play on the idea that well the cute petite blonde is the nerd mm-hmm. that nobody likes it's yeah. different it, it's, not, it's, it, it's flipping it on its head yeah like this girl would have been the popular girl like right um, <clears throat> but Millie um, asks Ryler who was the girl that was <laughs> talking trash to her in the beginning about her clothing and stuff um, asks her to go somewhere private. And she thinks that she's going to be telling her some sort of secret of what happened the night before, trying to either, you know, she's definitely not trying to console her. She's trying to exploit her so she can, you know, be that person that is searching <laughs> clout. The, the, scene, the scene that just went by that oh, is, I do is love one of the best scene. scenes where he gets, she gets kicked in the nuts. I do love this and scene. Goes, oh, I have balls. I got balls. I got balls now. <laughs> um, yeah, and this is where we kind of are. So Vince Vaughn, we'll get there quickly. Vince Vaughn was showering at the school. He ran there because that was the only place where Millie, who's the butcher, kind of knew where she knew the surroundings. So she was showering. She came on out um, and ran into Josh and, uh, was it, uh, no, not Ryler, uh, Naya. Names are too similar. Um, the two friends, and this is where we get a good comic relief chase scene of, the, her saying, you know, like, it's me, it's me. And they're like, oh my God, it's the butcher. And, and, it's, and it's almost like, it's almost slapstick where they're throwing things, like, they're like throwing things at him. Carrots and, and, and yeah. he's like, and he's like, really? Yeah. Or, like, it's, or she's it's, like, really? It's a good, it's a good little bit. And then she starts, you know, she'll throw him like, oh my God, I'm strong. Like not knowing the powers that the killer has. Um, but it is very almost tongue in cheek. That's just, it's, it is very slapsticky. 
and it, it from the beginning he did a good job, but this this scene really, or from here on out, this it really did show how he did a really good job playing a physically being her. Mm-hmm. And I saw an interview with her and him, and how they they brought them together before they shot any of the movie to rehearse in the sense of just to learn each other's mannerisms yeah. and language and, and they and they both said it paid off and I think obviously he's better at it than the inverse that she is yeah. but he really did well, a good job it was hysterical the mannerisms of a young girl I think it and at one point him. in the interview like they, they showed some scenes where he was using his hands a lot you know mm-hmm. and, and, she, and what's her name Catherine is that the Catherine, Catherine? Yep, yep, and yeah. she's I don't use my hands like that you <laughs> know <laughs> but anyways, my point was he did a really good of physical acting of And I think, of I think what helps is that he is that actor. I mean, in a lot of things, he's more of a comedic, physical physical type of actor. So I think it works for which him. Which might be, like you said, it was almost written for I think for, it was written not, written, if not written for him, written, written, written for, for a guy that like type him. of actor. Because yeah. yeah. he's, he's not in a whole lot of drama or thriller I mean, no. He's in a few things, but he's not. He's more known for. He's taken it easy the last couple of years. It feels like you don't see Vince Vaughn around as he much. Wasn't as in, he hasn't been in a whole lot. Like, no, I think this was, is like the first thing he was in. in a it's been a while. little bit since because he had that hot streak of like yeah, well, he wedding was in crashers, that, the internship, yeah, dodgeball, old school. But he might have been also getting like shoehorn, pigeonholed, or whatever. You did yeah, and that's why he probably took that. some time off. It's kind of like what Matthew McConaughey did. He was only in rom-coms, and he's like, nobody, you know, right, if people right, aren't going right. to hire me for anything else other than a rom-com, I'm just going to go away. And that's what he did, and he went away, and he waited and waited, and then finally got into some dramas, yeah. which is what he wanted. So it's like, you kind of have to go away it's, yep, it's the to case, create your like relevancy. Adam Sandler, um, yep. Jim Carrey, like a mm-hmm. lot of those guys, they can be in a lot of movies, but they play the same mm-hmm. character. Right, Will Ferrell. It's, yep, exactly. you, know, you get caught in that cycle of of success because it's good but it doesn't you know. the bathroom scene's pretty funny oh he's yeah like, she's like he's like hey this do I wipe uh, yeah just whack it around he's like whack it around oh, yeah, yeah. the sound of back she's in there you can hear whoop 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 it's like guys you gotta see this and then, and then do I and wipe then, and then Josh is like but, like but, what is it big what's is it, it, yeah what's it look like is it but I like I like the line where even like Nyla she just said she's like you know She's got a dick, and you're wearing Chanel number five. Yeah. I think we're way past labels yeah. at this point. And then he's like, uh, well, we're, we're in the true. boys' room, okay? <laughs> um, one scene that we did jump past that I, I loved um, was actually the death of Ryler. <laughs> Do, <laughs> I Do I write? Do I write? But Ryler, he, he grabbed her. Millie did. Um, grabbed her and was like, oh, my God, the butcher's here. You need to hide. And he shoves her into the, like, cry- oh, yeah, the cryo athlete pod. And pushes it down to negative three hundred degrees, which so is that every high school have a pod that's and yeah, and, you know. and, but and you say okay, it's used for what? It can't be used for the athletes because it was only about four foot seven tall. Yeah. <laughs> she just barely fit in it. So I guess it's only there for the very short mm-hmm. athletes, and I don't think those machines yeah. go to minus three hundred. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. Especially, either. but obviously, you would think there'd be some safety. You protocols. point those things out just for fun. They're, they're, you, but so. it is cool. Um, when when the butcher comes out from the shower, he notices that the pot is on. He opens it up, and there's there's Ryler completely frozen. And he gives her the little tap, and then the big frozen body just falls and smashes into ice. Smashes and it's throat. cool. It's cool. It's not blood and guts. It's just it's human ice cubes. It's Jason. Oh, and then, and then, then of course X, the yep. scene with just the hand holding the phone. The phone. Yep. Yeah. So 
something that maybe we could see at Horror Nights. I don't know if that 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 kill scene could actually be done. Maybe if you get some sort of magnetic structure that puts itself back together, I don't know. But I love when he's reading the stuff on the bathroom wall. Yeah, she's reading the, the men's room stall walls, oh, then and then she finds off. out her her name's in there. Oh yeah, never want to never want to be mentioned. Was she like a cock gobbler? Gobbler, yeah. Um, what was funny is she was in a movie called um, Cock Blockers. Cock, cock, cock Blockers. Yeah, with which John Cena, might, I think which it might was. have been a, a, little, a nod. little nod to that too. Um, this is where she realizes she's in the strong body, and she right, she, she, she scare people. She likes not being the intimidated mm-hmm. meek one. Um, and it was funny. I thought that just a quick Google search of what the butcher had heard during the stabbing led them to the the page that explained the the dagger oh, the, the curse yeah. oh it's all in spanish i don't speak spanish you take spanish you're in the you're in spanish three <laughs> like, and then even when he goes I'm into dyslexic. the cl- he goes into the classroom and the spanish teacher's mad because he can't speak spanish or read um, spanish and he's, yeah, he's so, like and then he's like i got a note yeah <laughs> but they bring it to there and they, they pretty much find out there that the curse is um the souls will swap for 24 hours if the sacrifice isn't successful after that, it is now a permanent right. switch. So we know that our characters um, and the movie is going to speed up a little bit because we're now we're on the clock, essentially. Um, and we were at that quick little filler scene where he's reading the graffiti. But what I did thought was funny was the little kid that was barking at Millie before came in, pounded on the door. Oh, was like, hey, I got to take a dump. <laughs> it's just like she gets out realizing now that the butcher's body holds right. him up and scares this kid until he pisses his pants. Um, but we are coming up now too, when Millie enters the wood shop, and Mr. Bernardi's probably not in the best uh, best position. But again, Millie's body is not the butcher's body, right. so he gets, you have gets, to adapt. Gets the best of her the first couple rounds of this little scuffle. Yep. Um, we get a little bit of comic relief fun here, um, a fun kill. She walks over, she turns the table saw on, and starts just like attacking him. At first, he like counters and like screams at her. It was like, it was self-defense, self-defense, and then that didn't really stop him. They scuffle around a little bit. He gets the best of her, knocks her down. Kicks her, punches her, kicks her, her, Kicks her a bunch. This dude does not like Millie's character. Uh, but then Millie grabs a <gasps> screwdriver and stabs him in the neck. Right in the neck. Gets the, gets the gusher going, the big yeah, squirting. The, uh, but then we get... Another fun kill. I mean, this thing is is chock full of fun kills. That was a good and, one. The table you know, saw. use the table saws for a reason. We knew, you know, why. There's a reason why this wasn't a history teacher or an English teacher. <laughs> good point. It's a wood shop teacher because we got these fun toys to work with in there. So we get that table saw up and running, and we slice this poor bastard right, right down, the, down middle. the middle. That should pass the grade. That would make it to the house, and that's and that's another one. Like there's certain things in this, yeah, they're definitely that you're scenes. like, if this is a house, this scene has to be in there. I would say some stuff from the beginning. I'd say he's even this has to be in there. Even his little his drug buddy hangout, like that that too would be kind of cool. <laughs> a cool yeah, that setting, that, that like waking up setting, him popping out. That's a great setting to work with. I mean, we haven't seen <laughs> <The> blood. <laughs> we haven't seen the black phone yet. Which is also the rumored, like the Blum, right. the house that's rumored is Blumhouse, and it's the Black Phone and Freaky, so it's gonna be split. So we're not gonna get a full house. So maybe four to five scenes of each. So I mean, the mannequin safety intro, first. She puts the goggles on. Yeah, she gotta put the goggles on. 
She grabs him by the... Oh, both, and this, this right there is that pure, him. like, half split. So good. Chef's kiss. That's a great one right there. Um, but now she, she leaves the... Um, she's leaving the wood shop. And this is where the Butcher and Millie come face-to-face in their new bodies for the first time. Um, well, after the super troopers show up. Yeah, <laughs> the guy's walking by, clearly just letting us know that the cop's presence is there. Um, and there is a, a short little standoff between Millie and the Butcher. And some comic relief, we think it's about to go down, and instead she just screams like a girl. Be- well, she, because she realizes point. I'm in this... He, he realizes, whatever... Yeah. I'm in this body. I can play the victim. Here. Mm-hmm. And the you know and the police are right there. Like, oh my god, it's the butcher! Help! Oh my god, help me! I don't remember. Did they establish why the police were there? Because someone called and said he was in the. Uh, in the um, I think they're just well. They're I think they're there just because the the high school student was killed. Okay, not that I'm questioning. Yeah. the logic of the movie. But. but because the high school student was killed, the killer was quote unquote on the loose. We got the text message through. Then, so of course we're just there to assume. It's a horror movie. So the car never starts on the first crank. Has right. to be. Never. Has to never, be. It has to be a piece of shit that will not start. Say it has yep. to be as the police get call it. Cranking, <laughs> and then just as you're about to get caught up to, mm, yep. it starts up. As the police call, a shit heap is going down west or whatever. <laughs> Can you move the C4? Can you move it a little forward more? And it is good because like they do have these little back and forth where they can play with like Vince Vaughn's clear like size, body change. But in that girl's yeah. reaction, I think it's done brilliantly. I love these stupid little things like that. Can, the can you just move humor. just a little bit more? Yeah, a little oh, bit just, more. Oh, just one more. Yeah. Just, okay, are you good back there? Yeah, yeah I'm good. Uh, it's just, it's stupid. It's a filler. I get it, but it's fun. Um, so they're off off running down, and they, they blow past the cop, which is, of course, Millie's sister. Um, I keep forgetting her name, but I think it's like Chloe or... Char, Charlotte. Char, Char, Charlotte or oh, Charlotte. Yeah. Is it short for Charlotte? Charlotte, Char, Char yeah. Mother, I think mother's coral, coral. Yep. Uh, but they go blown by her, and then she already got the call that you know the butcher was seen, two young people, and they're they're heading down this way. So she starts following them. Hot pursuit, little car chase, little Fast and Furious action over here. They yeah, blow, the oh, I just, I, yeah, I didn't hey, see, bitch. I didn't see that the first time. Um, but this is where they pull into the parking lot of Discount Bonanza, um, and this is where the girl joked earlier about where, like, oh, is this where you got your clothes? Did your mom gets you your discount. Employee discount. So you know that Millie's mom works there. The sister had followed them there, um, but they need to hide. They need to hide Vince Vaughn. They need to hide the butcher, um, and they need to get some sort of disguise. And, and we'll skip a little bit here because I feel like this scene coming up is a pretty longer. Little uh, not unnecessary, but like in this movie, I didn't need it. It was part of the. This scene would be in this version of the movie that wasn't a horror movie, right? Mm-hmm. If this was just a you know, a, a romantic thriller or whatever, that scene makes perfect sense. The whole family dynamic, you know, sad, lost her husband, bonding. Oh, the daughter because she's in this other guy's body gets to have a conversation with his mother, her mother that she never would have had face to face. Oh, tear at the heartstrings. Not could have done without it in this movie. It but, definitely slows things down. Like it, like yeah. it took a little too long. I mean, I don't hate the character development, but it, you're right. It kind of just feels off-putting in a movie like this. Yeah, it was. It was a little extended. It, it felt a little long. So when they took the script of a non-horror movie and they made it the horror movie. Yeah. They just, they, they, they cut out some things. They forgot to cut out and that section. They, they were like, yeah. oh, this is for the, this is if it was made in the other genre. Yeah. Like, this gotta go. 
Um, so who left? Who <laughs> left the dressing room scene in? Who left it in? I told you that. I told you to cut it. I told you to cut it. Oh, the the scene um, where he's coming out of that, where he's coming out of the store with the mask on. But I do love this. He's doing the I do like love the Frankenstein it. walk because yeah. you can't see. It's the uh, that, it's the Aaron Rodgers <laughs> mask. Hilarious! And hilarious! Another little nod to another famous slasher wearing a mask. Michael Myers. Michael Myers just wasn't painted white this time, but. <laughs> Um, I do like the whole, just randomly picking an Aaron Rodgers mask. I thought that that was fun. Um, but they do find that on probably Instagram or some sort of social media that Millie was at this local haunted black light mini golf palace place, which again, <laughs> this scene is going to be in the house. If there's a house with freaky, there's got to be some sort of like. You can't you can't pass up dark black fluorescent black lighting with like the cheap little gags that they play here. There's a lot of like not a lot. There's two I think instances of like the cheap jump scare, but it's done with like stuff that you would find at spooky uh, uh, spirit Halloween. Just like the, the crappy little skeleton things, just like bah, rah, just popping out at you. Uh, but it's fun and like this is just a <laughs> perfect mask, scene. Sorry, the mask kills me. <laughs> Just is like Aaron, it's, it's Aaron Rodgers. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he finally just has enough with it and rips it off. I love it. Uh, but no, that was it. Is again a, a funny little thing where like you couldn't get him a hat and a scarf or something. You you go into a discount store and you find a. Oh, that's that's one of the best parts of the movie. They, no, that that made the whole scene. Uh, but they walk into the the little um, mini golf area and they start to see. Like security cameras right up front for some reason those are there but they see millie is in the back stalking around with uh booker i think his name was booker was the other kid um and obviously yeah booker is, is the jock this, is this guy here the one she likes yeah the one that she likes the one that ends up, up home lip for with vince vaughn later yeah <laughs> awkward that's a weird scene to but put we'll in get this to that movie. um <laughs> yeah so this that was the, the scariest part of the movie. That was pretty creepy. Um, is he saw the mask on? No, it's, oh no, okay. I'm only looking at the the, the the computer. But um, yeah. So they're they're catching up to them. They whack Millie with a little putter. They get her down, and then they they notice that Booker's running off, and they're like, okay, well, we gotta stop this kid because the serial killer is here. Who, unbeknownst to him, is not the serial killer, the butcher, but. We gotta stop him and and make sure that he doesn't call the cops. We'll just take both of them away. We'll, we'll figure this out. We'll reconvene. Um, they leave this little mini golf area. Uh, but then we now cut to what is going to be Millie in the chair, tied up. You know, butcher. But Millie is tied up now in in Josh's. This is Josh's house. Yes. Um, but yeah. Josh, Nyla, and Booker, who's knocked out unconscious, so. He couldn't call. He couldn't call the police or anything like that. Um, but he wakes up, and the butcher again. Another scene that we could probably jump past because it's a little bit stretched out more than it probably needs to. But it's Millie. Or it's the butcher explaining to Booker that this is some sort of Freaky Friday thing. I'm Millie. That's the butcher. Blah, blah, blah. And then Millie is doing the whole like. No, no, they're crazy. Like, if you believe them, then you're going to be held responsible. Help, Booker, help me, Booker, Which reminded Booker. me of one of the characters from uh, the animatronic, uh, one of the animatronics. Willie. Willie's Wonderland. Yeah, one of them didn't, one of them. The one that's, like, enough. pretending to I be wanna, good. I want to be, I want to be on your side. Yeah. Bring me over. And... Mm-hmm. 
but it was a fun. It, was, it I I think that was a good job by Catherine doing the whole like trying to do the guy acting as the girl. Like, oh, what would a girl say? Like, oh, oh, booger, oh, booger. Just the whiny tone at the end. Like, not really selling it good, but like selling it like somebody who wouldn't talk like that would. Right. So she did a fair job too at projecting the guy being trying to be the young girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did a good job with that. So they eventually, the, the butcher recites a poem, a poem that apparently Millie had left had, in his locker. Had written and left in his locker anonymously. Another, maybe another reference to... Uh, a lot of teen movies. Another reference kind of like to uh, It. Yeah, maybe. Where the I kid mean, writes again, the poem. The same, I mean, I mean, yeah, that, that also was a plan, a lot of that teen, that like, teen inspiration where a lot of teen movies was like oh we write anonymous poems to the person that we like mm-hmm. and it's kind of like that same same deal but it did remind me of um the ben the your hair is winter fire it's, yeah it's, yes <laughs> yes why is, um, why is millie tied up in the chair yeah uh, role we're, play. Role, we're role play um a quick little scene nala booker and the butcher head to the police station to get the knife back because they know that they now need that knife to complete the ritual so they can switch bodies back um, and they ru- and then they they rush in. Um, Nyla rushes in, leaving Booker and the Butcher in the car together. Nyla is meted by Char, Charlotte, and tells her that the Butcher kidnapped them earlier and that he's out back. She rushes out of the police station so Nyla can start looking for that evidence locker. Um, so Josh is now back home with what he referred to as Murder Barbie, which I thought was a fun little. That could have been like a the tagline for this. But she's still tied up. Millie is clearly kind of trying to get out of the ropes, but just kind of behind his back. And that's when Josh's mom comes home early, and he has to explain that they're role-playing. And and they have the fun little back and forth, like, oh, no, she's just really committed. She, she never breaks she character. Break character. Yeah. And the mom's like, isn't this like a sex oh, thing? She, role yeah, playing? And she goes, and it, yeah, and, it, and it, it, it does the whole funny... Thing of the, it's not the the kid coming out as gay. It's yeah. the gay kid trying to sell that he's straight. Saying like, "Mom, you know, we need to, to talk. You. I need to tell you, I'm straight." Complete straight is not one. Yeah, of them. you are many things, yeah. Josh. But straight is not. It's like, well, you did not sell that one. But a fun little kind of spinning of of yeah. things that Again, we see just, in more it's a twist in movies. On your it, typical it, movie. Yeah, it takes a lot of those those cliche style movie moments and and finds a way to, to really flip it um you know the mom's not buying it and she's like okay look we need to get this girl out of these so she picks up a giant butcher knife it's one in every house because why not but as she is going towards uh millie to let her out yeah <laughs> she um <laughs> i do like that scene but she finally wrestles loose kicks them on the mom drops the knife millie grabs the knife Chases the two into another room. Now Josh and his mom are locked in the room, and Millie's banging on the door and complaining about like how I forget the exact verbiage, but this body's so weak or this body sucks or some something along those lines. Where I thought was pretty was pretty funny. Body's fucking useless. Yeah, this body's useless. That's what it is. Um, so we're at that point. Josh then calls Nyla to let them know like, hey, she's she's out. She's she's on the loose. Um, so we jump back to the station, and this is where Charlotte comes back into the police station, and Nyla's kind of caught red-handed behind her back, holding the knife and a phone, and 
clearly something is up. So Shaw kind of puts her at gunpoint a little bit and is like, drop the evidence. You know, what, what do you have? Blah, blah, blah. And this is where like reality is going to come crashing into to this little area because we haven't had the interact. We've had the interactions with the friends where they've become convinced and they, they understand what's going on. Whereas her sister, her mother, the other outside people, like nobody's really aware of this. They're aware of the killer being out there, but nobody else is in on the whole body swap storyline yet. And it's going to be a hard sell for the sister cop. So we'll, we'll, oh, we'll kind of get there. And this is the, the see with you there, buddy. This is the cringe worthiest. I don't, yeah, I don't think this one will make it to Horror Nights as a part of the, the house, but you it never will be know. the scariest Walk by fucking a car and part. You see them like going making up. Oh, oh god! Essentially, <laughs> Millie's talking with the kid that she likes, Booker. Booker has, hey, but, but is it okay if I sit in the back, come back over with you? Oh, but Millie's still in the, the killer's and body. Still in the butcher's body. Uh, they end up connecting. They kiss because no, yeah, it's a I guess love. Love sees no boundaries or whatever. The point is that you you love the person inside, not I don't, the person on the outside. I can't say that if the person I loved was transformed into a 40, 50 year old dude, I would within the first five minutes just start kissing Have them in the back. Become so invested tr- in the in the yeah. In I don't story. I don't know if if I if that would uh, if I, that would swing. I thought for sure they were, as they were gonna lean in. Like the cop was gonna come to the car and they were yeah, like, like it's gonna be or, like a stop right this. Yeah. I, I thought they stopped this yeah. far. Or they'd far. Stop, yeah, but I'm, nope, they went right in. Yeah, you would you would have imagined that they would have been like, like oh wait oh they snapped out of it like or your, your reality or broke or took their attention away. Nope, nope, they went in for the smooch um, and they just started kissing. And to be honest, with you, he initiated it. it wasn't yeah, even like and he followed the lead, which is oh yeah, no, he yeah Booker yeah Booker initiated, which is even weirder. But this is I, Jesus Christ! Who fucking knows what that is? It's just so awkward. So let's just uh, oh, whoop, whoop, whoop. Imagine oh, we're pitching, skipping ahead imagine, a little bit. Imagine pitching to Vince Vaughn. Just pitching the scene to Vince Vaughn. Hey, you're gonna have He's to like, kiss a 19 year old kid in this movie. It's gonna be amazing. Um, Jesus Christ! I want mean, to so, have the first kiss moment as he goes on further, as Vince Vaughn. As he goes on further in his career, people are like, oh, well, what else have you started? Oh, I was in a show. I was in a movie with this movie. I was with Vince Vaughn. Oh, you worked with him? Yeah, I, I kissed him. I had, a, I had a romantic kissing scene with him. Wait, wait, wait. What? Excuse me? Oh, yeah. He was a serial killer, but he's in the body of a teenage girl or yeah. vice versa. A, oh, yeah. I know Vince. He's a really good kisser. Excuse me? <laughs> wait, what? The guy from the guy from old school? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That Vince Vaughn. Uh, but what we did skip past was Millie, Millie rushed after trapping Josh and them. Millie rushed to the police station. Um, and then the butcher had to break out of his makeout session and chase her in there as well. But her sister holds the butcher up at gunpoint because why wouldn't you? That's the serial killer. At which point, Nilly takes the dagger and kind of runs out while the sister is still kind of holding up the butcher and Nyla because they've just been acting. One's been acting weird, one is the serial killer. Um, and starts to put the butcher into the holding cell. At which point, uh, somebody jumps out. I think Josh comes in, does a yell or something, and then the butcher has an instance to slap away the gun, walk the sister into the holding cell, and does the whole, like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, blah, 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 and I'm so sorry about your hamster, I thought I could swim. I thought your hamster could swim. But, like, giving us that sense of, like, 
trying to give some insight that only the sisters would know. Yeah. I don't know if they particularly sold it or not, but they, they locked the sister up in the holding cell and, and chased after Millie, who now has the knife, took the police car, and obviously, because we've referenced it before, uh, is going to that homecoming dance as a slaughter fest. Maybe a reference to prom, to, was it prom night? Something like that. Maybe there's some Maybe. references in there as well. But Millie is brought to the back room for, I guess, some sort of like orgy style hookup because there's three dudes that's, and one of her. It's that, doing, right? it's that high school trope that, you know, they're gonna they're gonna probably get this high school girl drunk, drunk. shake advantage, and she spins that on its head. And I'm gonna kill the three. Takes the bottle like she's gonna swig it, dumps it, smashes one kid in the head. Slices another throat, and then of course, chainsaw. There's a chainsaw. At that point, I was like, "No, no, please, no, no." Just a a full, fueled up chainsaw, feet away from a high school prom. Well, they, it's where a, there's a a serial killer. Well, again, the, the prom was it was canceled. So this elaborate thing that's set up here, the kids did themselves. Remember, they went oh, they, they oh, went to the abandoned they went to the abandoned mill to yep. set this up. So yep. that's quite the elaborate. It's also very party. much obviously. It's if you look at the chainsaw, it's a, it's a Texas chainsaw chainsaw. Yeah, like it looks exactly like the one. I'll be like, oh, this is from the seventies. Yeah, it's it, it's obviously there for a reason. But of course, so I'm sure there's going to be a chainsaw at the Horror Night House because that's. What I mean, do. they have them anyway, so might right. as well pick a property that includes it. Um, Josh, Nyla, and the gang have showed up now to the dance, and they're looking for Millie. Uh, the butcher and Booker kind of stumble upon the remains of of the chopped up kids right there above my head. Good timing on that one. Um, and Josh is looking for Millie, and then some really drunk jockey kid is like, "Oh yeah, like I've totally I've seen you come here. Come follow me. I'll I'll show you to Millie." Um, and then this is where the the drunk kid is in the back with Josh and comes on to him, kisses him, and then plays on that trope of like the the drunk closeted jock was yeah. like oh if you tell anyone i'm gonna fucking kill you and i was like okay well this kid's dead now and then instantly a like a fish hook or a hook not a fish hook cause yeah. it's small but like um something that you would probably oh because they're in the mill it's something that you would move the hay bales oh, with yeah or if it was a meat plant maybe or a meat know, hook or something like that something, yeah but the meat hook comes punching through the wall into the kit into the kid's eye <laughs> and pulls him back. Which though, at this point, that that pull right there is phenomenal. It's great, but we've already established that Millie's body isn't strong, so it was a little bit of a yeah. I mean, over. We'll, we'll look past it just because it is yeah, what it is. It's a Blumhouse cool horror movie, but I could see that coming into the horror nights. I mean, in the house. I mean, th- this this house. We'll get to it at the end, but there there's a lot of options for good scenes that are fairly distinct from one another. There's a lot of different settings, so we'll we'll kind of jump jump on that at the end. Um, and we're 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 pretty much getting towards the end, and we'll we'll kind of pile through this last bit and get into any last little things that we have going. But the butcher and Millie are now face to face again, and now the dag- daggers in play. Um, Char Char is also um. Oh um yeah, so they they run down the butcher with the dagger, and it's just about midnight. They you know, butcher has the dagger in the air, and we get the little alarm, the beep 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 beep. He looks at it and it says 
12 o'clock midnight. Didn't make it. So they're they're out of time. And I thought this was a weird a weird thing, but it does a flashback of Millie and Booker. And Booker tells her, like, oh, a little secret or a life hack or whatever. Set your clock well, five he, minute fast. He or, told her that when she was late for the woodworking class. Mm-hmm. So she came in and he's like, oh, trip. Yeah. You know. But it's fun that the butcher also had his watch set five minutes early because it was on the butcher's hand. No, one of the or, one of the one of her friends put it on there when they decided they had twenty four. When they decided that they knew they were against so it time, was the friends. It was the so kid it was that, like Josh's or whatever his name okay, was. Okay, so that makes one, more one sense. of the friends put it on there and said and set the time. Okay, because I was like, man, it's pretty coincidental that two different people had that same mindset. I've heard it before, but like, no, it was one of their. Okay, um, well, it would have would have had there been her watch. So somebody must have taken it off of her and put it on him. Him at some point. But, but they did. They did put the watch on. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they also noticed that the bells didn't ring. So that was like what cued the like, wait, so then what time is it actually? Um, and then they realized they still got a little bit of time and that's the little, that's the cute scene right there. Um, I love how like, they, they dramatically stretch the time out too. It's like you have five minutes stab the fucking get in the fucking Yeah, I'm like, oh, what I got, are you doing here? I got four and a half minutes to kill. Let's just hang out for a little bit. Um, but no, they. She stabs down, and we get the same sort of magical effect, and then we can assume now that the bodies have been swapped, which is funny that like when they swap back, it's in- instantaneous, versus right. the last time it like it happened at midnight. Well, I think like it waited till they were that, sleeping. Well, maybe that's the point. Like maybe the whole thing is supposed to be that it's you know at midnight you switch bodies and you've got twenty four hours to yeah, but it kind of switched instantaneous, which good for us the hero like did their job and they swapped but then the real butcher is back in the butcher's body right there but thankfully the cops showed up just in time to sort of smoke him um they give him a couple they give him a couple shots but that madness of outside the bodies is, is kind of over um we cut after this to a little ambulance scene where the another well played, not well played. Well worn out. The old Michael ambulance Myers. scene. Yep. Yeah, the post post uh, massacre ambulance tie up. So, like, they sit together and they have a heart to heart. Yeah, of the like, oh well, I guess now that we're in our bodies, we can. We're like, oh yeah, because I totally wasn't five seconds away from banging Vince Vaughn in the right. back, <laughs> the back of, of the, the van out by the police station while we were, you know, running the clock down to see if I ever switched bodies back. Right. Um, yeah, they, they kind of have that little heart-to-heart, and we can skip ahead because at the end of that, there's just an ambulance that rushes down the road with the butcher in it. Heart monitors, beep, 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 beep. Cuts dead. Or is he? It, it pans down a little bit, and the little finger heart rate monitor is no longer attached to him. So, safe to assume sequel, but it doesn't end there. It gives us more scenes, and I really thought that, like, that was the end. Like I, I was ready for it to end, and I kind of would have liked it better just ending there. I know, like open-ended endings are so are super cliche, but this is a cliche movie, so it would have I would have expected it to end there. Um, yeah, because what comes next seems like there's a lot that we missed, right? And I would have liked to seen that. You know, how did he escape the ambulance? How many people did he kill? Blah blah blah. Because it goes right to Millie's house. Now, Millie's sitting with her mom in a bed talking. She goes down to the stairs and, and shuts and locks the door. And apparently, Char didn't close it. So, we're like, oh, okay. A little suspicious. A little suspenseful. Um, and she kind of tensely walks through the house. 
suspense is building. She hears a quick noise and sees nothing. Um, she now opens the door slowly to walk into the other room, and at which point we see that the butcher is behind her. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So I wish that this whole last scene just wasn't part of it, because, it, there, like I said, there's a chunk of missing that we didn't see, and I would have liked to have seen that, but I also don't need the movie to be extended for no reason. I would have been fine if the last shot was the heart rate monitor not on his finger. Just throw the freaky title back up there and yeah. call it a day. The, the ambulance like crashed into a tree. The smoke, steam coming off of it. The yep. doors just left open. Mm-hmm. Roll the credits. Yeah, something like that. Because the finale of this was like just kind of quickly rushed. It's, uh, it, it, it seemed like we were not set up for it. But maybe that's what they are going for because this movie is uh, about going against the grain, so to speak. Um, but she opens the door. The butcher's behind her. Um, and then that... She, with a knife, and that's when the sister comes through with her gun, holds it on the butcher, but then, of course, oh my god, there's no bullets on it in it. Which, you yeah, would think that little a cop girl, Little would, girl shouldn't play with yeah, guns. Which, you would think that the cop would understand, would have noticed the weight difference with their gun loaded or empty, especially one of those, like, I, I don't, it must be a super small town, because it's not, like, an actual clip. It was, like, the, like, I don't know if the whole clip is missing. There's a weight difference that she should have picked up on if your job is sheriff or cop or whatever, but she didn't pick up on that. Um, there's some back and forth banter between the butcher and the, the, the Millie with the knife. And then the mom comes in and smokes the butcher in the head with, wouldn't you know it, a empty wine bottle or vodka bottle or clearly just playing into the drunk mom trope. Um, they, they wrestle around a little bit. They tussle, um, and then the fight keeps on going, but then Millie kind of pulls a knife on him and then ends up dropping it. And she kicks the butcher in the balls because he's like, oh, he's talking about how, like, I've been in your body. I know how weak it is. And then she's like, oh, well, I've been in your body and I know what's weak. And yeah, he, no, she's like, I learned and I think I learned one thing. Or yeah. I learned something. And he, she kicks him in the balls. Uh, and that's when everyone just kind of jumps in, tag teams him. And then during the fight, obviously, some stuff got broken. The butcher is down on his back, and then Millie takes what looks to be like a, a chair leg or a table oh, yeah, leg. Something from a piece of furniture. It's a big, big thing. Stabs it into his back, and then, like, just just kicks it. Like, mega kicks it. Judo kicks it <laughs> right through his it. chest. Like, there's no walking away from this one. Mm-hmm. And then we get that weird little, like... Hmm, is she bad now? Because she's got like the blood on her, and she's—I uh, forget her her closing it's tagline. To, it's supposed but... to be like the the full circle now that she's no longer the timid, picked on one, and yeah. the whole experience kind of fixed the family dynamics. Mm-hmm. The older daughter and the mother now are back to get like you know they're a family unit. She's not the the timid, picked on one anymore. So that's all part of the whole non horror half of yeah. this storyline where you just the. You know, the feel-good story. Yeah, right. The feels. But that is Freaky from 2020. Freaky. What did you guys think? Um, again, I think most of most of how I felt was said throughout the episode. I think that, again, it's a good movie. I think it was fun. I think I like how it turns everything on on its head. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't say that it's, like, the first thing it's ever done it. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not the first movie that's really kind of turned some of these tropes on themselves and, and threw something different back at you um it reminded me a lot of the christmas when we watched was it yeah. silent night Sil- no the other one with the little boys and the girl 
The babysitter. Oh, um... What do they call that? Uh, better Watch Out. Better Watch Out. It kind of reminded me of that, where that movie kind of takes the home invasion trope and completely turns it on its head. Mm-hmm. Similar to this, very much, like, you think you're going to get one thing, you know kind of where it's going, but you don't expect everything that happens in it. And mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of like that, so... Uh, overall, thought it was a great movie. Yeah. Any last? I, I, it it got slow in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Vince Vaughn carried this movie. I think if there had been if someone else had played that role that was less known and you didn't know and maybe didn't have the ability to do the physical, you know, performance he did. I think he carried this movie. Yeah. Um, but other than it being slow during the middle, I think it was it was fun. It's a fun movie, that's, and that's kind of where I'm. I think I've expressed my my overall take on this movie is that it's just a fun stupid movie like you said earlier the whole storylines don't necessarily need to be horror movies but it is fun to like take something that shouldn't be put it in together and see what happens the other thing is a lot of these movies we watch it's it's expected but you have to overcome at least especially some of the secondary characters some really bad acting. Yeah. There was no character here that I said, oh my God, the acting is terrible on that yeah. character, this yeah. character. All of the players, even the secondary and third layer players here, maybe not great actors, maybe not good acting, I don't know, because you didn't notice any bad acting. So it, yep. so nobody stood out as bad acting. So that that is, mm-hmm. a, is a plus. So before we get into like... Horror Nights talk. Let's just go through our fear and beer ratings really quick. So again, first time listeners, we give a fear and beer rating scale one through five. Your fear rating is how scary this movie is, and your beer rating is how much you enjoyed this movie. Uh, so Seamus, let's start with your fear rating. I think we're. It's almost like we're. It feels kind of like a, a broken record. We watch a lot of movies where the fear not that scary, is just but they're not fun. Yeah. that high. And I think with this one, I've got to give it a. I'll be fair to it and give it a one. Okay. Yep. Again, there's nothing in it that's particularly scary. Um, and I don't think that's what they were going for anyways. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if they were trying to take this serious and make it scary, then it would have been a lot worse of a movie. I think because it's not scary is kind of where we're going with it. I think much like Scream wasn't overtly scary, but it played on the tropes of the horror genre. And that's kind of what you saw it for. So... I'll give it a one just because there were, there were some jump G-type stuff in it, mm-hmm. but nothing that was like overtly like, ah! Like, I'm not on the edge yeah, of my seat. I'm not, I'm not on the edge of my seat. Right. Uh, Kevin? Well, for fear, again, and I've said this before, like the movies that I consider would be a high fear rating, for me, my genre is like the supernatural, you know, the paranormal, exorcisms, possessions that mm-hmm. demon stuff that in the back of your mind it's like that, that shit could happen that kind of yeah. like if you know you it's really late at night it's dark and you're watching it by yourself and you kind of feel stupid because you're like that <laughs> yeah. so that's so you're saying this couldn't happen so <laughs> so i'm saying I'm, on these things maybe i'm gonna the fear factor i'm gonna judge differently right mm-hmm. so okay this is a slasher mm-hmm. so it's not really going to be fear but i'll judge it based on if it's a slasher I'm going to base it on what were the kills like. Mm-hmm. So I'll give it a solid two. Okay. Because there was some good, the tennis racket thing, the table oh, yeah. saw. Yeah. So I, I have to, otherwise I'm going to rate all of these slashers as like, you know, zero to one. Because they're not that, yeah. yeah. So I think if you look at it in a perspective of, okay, for a slasher fear rating, solid two. Mm-hmm. Uh, enjoyment, beer rating, three. Probably. Three on the beer rating? Nice. So I, as well, am in that, I'm in Seamus's camp with the fear. I'm going to put it at the one. 
Because again, and I'm giving the one um, for the reasons that you did. The kills. The kills were good. There was very fun kills in this movie. The girl that got obliterated as ice cubes turning into that. I mean, the whole intro with the beer bottle, the toilet, the the tennis racket, the table saw. There's good kills in this. Um, so I'll go with a one on that. And then for my beer rating, I'll get it a... Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go where you were at. I'm at that three mark. It's just a little over halfway. This was a fun movie. Um, will I rewatch it? Probably. Am I gonna rewatch it a lot? Probably not. This might be like a once a year kind of thing. But these Blumhouse movies, I am a sucker for them. I know they're not amazing, like Happy Death Day, like The Purge, stuff like that. Where like I know it's not great movies, but man, this this company does put out some fun. And I don't want to say original because it's not an original idea. It's Freaky Friday, you know, Happy Death Day is Groundhog's Day. It's not original. But what's original is taking that and putting it into a horror movie. Meshing meshing the two genres, um, I think, is a fun, original thing. And I I do get excited when Blumhouse has something new coming out because they do pretty good. And And they can switch it up and they can make some scary movies if they really want to. I mean... They were the ones that put out, you know, the new Halloween. They have the Black Phone coming out. Those look like true horror movies, whereas these, they know exactly what they are. Yeah. Um, so, Seamus, for your your beer rating, how much did you enjoy this movie? Uh, I don't want to give it too high of a rating because I feel like I give too many movies a high rating. But <laughs> Which is good. Um, I think I'll give it a 3.5. I want to okay. go 4, but I'm going to go 3.5. Again... I like Blumhouse movies for these movies. Mm-hmm. I like the campy, not taking itself serious, but also showing its inspiration in a great way rather than just strictly stealing stuff and saying, well, we're making something new. No, you just stole from a movie 20 years ago. At least they're doing something new with tropes that are 30, 40 years old at this point. Um, it's much like with A24. I watch A24 movies because much like you, I need a specific type of movie to make me feel uncomfortable, to make me feel weird, or make me feel scared, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that. So, like, A24 or Blumhouse, I go for it for a specific reason. Um, not a huge fan of the Purge movies. Not a huge fan of a lot of, of the different things that they do that's kind of more serious, at least in the Blumhouse camp. And that could just be because I feel like, rather than when they go in this direction, where it's like, we're obviously... We're obviously lampooning the genre but we're not taking ourselves too seriously so i enjoy that side of it so i don't think it's quite good enough for for from my perspective but Mm -hmm. it's close so i'm gonna give it a 3.5 to say a little different but i think it was good i think obviously like kevin was saying the acting is amazing in this movie well i was amazing but the acting is good in comparison Um, to other horror movies right amazing isn't too far off like i said in the beginning of the episode i really do think that blumhouse does that in a way that a lot of production companies don't is they find the right actors to fill these roles um that aren't necessarily a-list actors that they need to spend millions of dollars on you Mm -hmm. know they can stay low budget because they don't it's almost like how marvel is really good at finding the right person to play the right character Great casting. in the sense yep. that yep. they have a really good casting department at Blumhouse they know who they want to fill specific roles but they don't necessarily need to go out and find you know uh, you know the, the, the top female star the top male mm-hmm. star to fill their various roles and I think they can get away with you know 
writing certain roles for specific people. Like obviously Vince Vaughn is the the go getter for this movie. Like mm-hmm. you know when you see oh Vince Vaughn's in that's a horror movie, that's like name. that's that's the name that you pull people in with. And then of course people that are more into the genre, are more into genre films, they will recognize like Catherine. They'll recognize mm-hmm. certain other smaller actors and they go oh they were in that favorite indie movie that I really liked. Mm-hmm. But most people like us are like. I don't know how that is, but she's really good in it, so it yep, yep. works for me. Uh, and then, of course, you know they, they use that savings on the effects, and that shows, because the effects in this movie, for the most part, are really good. The only mm-hmm. one I didn't really like, and you guys liked it, was the Frozen Girl. <laughs> I, I think if they just left her frozen, yeah. I would have liked it more, but it was obviously clearly CGI. Oh, very it was CGI. Super CGI. Yes. And I was like, yes, it was. Yeah, it took me a little bit out of it, but again, I can forgive it, because I think that's what they were kind of yeah. attempting to do. Yep. Because it's low budget. You can only expect so much from a low budget film. Yeah. So as far as just rewatching this movie, um, the prospect of it coming to Halloween Horror Nights, are you excited? Is there some scenes that stuck out to you that would be kind of fun to walk through? Are you not as excited because maybe I, it's not a movie for Horror Nights? You know what's funny is, from my perspective, I, I don't know yet. Because mm-hmm. if they're going to pair it with Black Phone, which looks like more of, like you said, a more of, not a, not like, super serious drama based it's like, like a true horror it's though. gonna be more of a true horror film where they're gonna take it seriously they're gonna take it more of the dark 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 side of it rather than hey let's add these funny you know one liners and that sort of thing and make mm-hmm. it more of a, a thrill ride um, how they mix the two together will really determine how I feel about it I think if it was just a freaky house or if it was like a Blumhouse collaboration but they did like freaky and happy death day again and yeah. a few of those ones that they've done before but to kind of stay in this realm of goofy goofy funny horror thriller um but trying to mix funny horror thriller with serious ish it is tough slasher i'm not sure how that's gonna work it is tough to like go from one to the other and they really don't mesh the rooms if they do it like the last time it's like you walk into a room it's a freaky room or a black phone it's not like there's a little bit of both in the same room. Right. When you walk into a room, it's either freaky or... So they would have to almost do like freaky in the first part of the house? And, black and then black phone to the end. Or and, vice versa. Yeah. Um, you know, you, we brought you to HHN last year. You got some got some uh, reps under your belt. Anything stand out to you in this that you're like, I could see this happening? Or you, You'd have to pull, like you said, the kill, the, where the kills happened. Um, I don't think the movie as a whole is really conducive. I think there's a lot of other movies that are more conducive to a house than this. Uh, The premise of this really was the swapped bodies and how does that translate into a physical house, not Mm -hmm. really well. So basically you'd be just stealing the kills and and incorporating them. Mm -hmm. Okay, but... Yeah, fun, but... I don't think think the movie lends itself to... I think it's one of those houses like we've talked about where you're not going into it necessarily for a story. You're not going to get the Mm story-ish. And you will a little bit, um, in the sense that it's going to be kind of funny to see like the Vince Vaughn scare actors mm-hmm. as the good guy in a way. Yeah. And the little blonde scare actors are as the, be main the main enticing one. Guy. So that'll be kind of cool to see. Um, but yeah, you're not going to get much of the story. It's going to be more set piece. Just kill scene, kill scene, kill scene. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that the Blumhouse one might be some sort of placeholder. Um, how still I'm hoping that we and, and as much as we just talked about this movie and how much we did kind of enjoy it I, I don't want it to necessarily take up a spot at a house especially if it's like a, a a multi-property house because while some of these things would be really cool to walk through you know the mini golf area the opening kill scenes the buzzsaw um, 
I do enjoy the house stories. I enjoy like walking through. I enjoy hearing the stories and and being in the atmosphere. And much kind of like it's similar to me, like the Cary, Ohio house from last year, where there wasn't much of a story. It was just kind of like a best of, like, oh, here's a cool scene. And walk into a room. The next room doesn't make any any sense. It's just another scene. Okay, walk into that. Another thing doesn't make any sense. Just another scene. I I I, I feel myself losing interest in those houses uh, because I go in there for not just the scares, but an elaborate story, which you can tell. Look at Wicked Growth. Look at Puppet Theater. You understood what the story was from walking through, and then walking through this house, there would be no story. It's just fun kill scene, fun kill scene, fun kill scene. Yeah, which is kind of what IP houses tend to end up being anyways. Mm-hmm. Like, to be fair to it, IPs mm-hmm. tend to be, hey, look, you're in the world of the IP that you like. Yeah. Well, There's I mean, if they wanted to just make a house that was very lighthearted and comedic, right? It could be the Ghostbusters. You, you gotta have him, you gotta have the big tall guy with the Aaron, Aaron Rodgers mask. Running yeah. around banging <laughs> into things. Yeah. And then yep. as you're walking down one of the halls, like it's the it's the stalls, and all you see is the back of the tall guy's head, and you hear this. I mean, you could. And I'd, if and I'd I'd probably rather if I could choose either the Blumhouse like, uh, house with multiple properties or just a freaky house, I would probably pick just freaky because that way at least we would get the story of the movie versus like a chopped up best of moment. Where if it was a full house, we could get moments like that where it would like break up a little bit and it would be a full story. You could start it with the killer attacking Millie and then the middle scenes it's Millie killing and then at the end it's them swapping back. So like you could actually get the story out, but with a best of chopped up thing, you're not going to get as much of that. But that's what I got for this week. Any other closing thoughts on Freaky from 2020? That covers nope. it. I think yeah, we I think we did about as much as we could on that one. Man, all right. So we got some cool stuff coming up in May. Um, we have an episode coming up maybe next week, maybe the week after. Uh, we're not really going to announce it yet because we're still in the works of kind of lining up a recording date. Um, but something that we are going to be doing this weekend that is going to be really cool, and we will be sure to link it over to all of our pages, is we are going to be jumping on to our friend's podcast, the RIP Tour um, we're going to be talking some horror nights with the folks over there. Yep. So when we get a release date on that and when it comes out, we'll be sure to tell you also coming up in May, believe it or not, is our two year anniversary. Yikes. Crazy. Been so this for two years, our two year anniversary is coming up and our two year anniversary it's lines crazy. up pretty much with a hundred days until HHN. Yep. So much like last year, we're going to be doing a, Another big fun episode. We've reached out to some of our our other podcast friends, our HHN buddies, um, and we we got some people on board. And again, because we're a couple weeks out from recording, I don't want to uh, announce anything yet, and 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 you know, kind of give it away. Or if something some something timeline doesn't work out, we can't can't make it work. So just be on the lookout. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up in May. And who knows, maybe some HHN announcements. I'm expecting mid to late May for some stuff to come out from their official site. But until then, this is Nick. This is Seamus. And Kevin. Happy haunts. It's cursed. Cursed. To the death curse. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's a type of one good scare. <laughs> just like to thank Vampire Stepdad for letting us use his music for our intro and outro music. So if you would, just go check him out. Spotify, Facebook.
Again, that is Vampire Stepdad.